Hello, welcome to the Scotch and Smokes podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Seth. And I'm Jesse. This is episode number 11 of this Mad Men fan podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about the episode Commissions and Fees, the second to last episode of season five. You can find us on the web at madcast.net. You can also find us on Facebook and iTunes if you look up Scotch and Smokes. Please do leave a message about the show or your thoughts about Mad Men. And certainly this season's coming to a very interesting conclusion. We had a really memorable episode. I think this is one of the best of the season, maybe one of the top for me of the maybe the series. It was just so powerful. Before we jump into the specifics, did you guys have any comments about this episode in general? Yeah, I mean, Brian, you're right. I thought this was perhaps the best one of the season. I mean, it just was powerful. It just seemed to not lag in any way. And of course, that scene between Don and Lane in his office was just terrific. Just, I'm happy to get into it. Let's go. Absolutely. It was a great episode. I enjoyed all the components, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. All right. So yeah, let's go ahead and get to the catalyst that drove lane to his end which was bert finding this check and then don confronting lane and as he entered the office you knew what was coming and i was watching lane the entire time to see his change of demeanor from oh things are going grand and to don saying what the hell is this and seeing his expression and his face just even knowing that was coming I was still impressed that the actor pulled off just such an amazing job of that kind of reaction. It just, it was totally believable. And he looked like he had seen a ghost, like his world was ending, just a powerfully written scene. And it addressed a lot of the questions too. Like we've said, all these episodes we've been talking about it, like, well, why doesn't Lane just ask for the money? I think the writers were what they call putting a lantern on it and like saying, all right, you wondering why he hasn't done it. And this is why the shame he feels and he can't not be successful and what kind of shame you would have to go back to England as a failure. All that was just wrapped up in that little scene. And of course, the desperation of a person who can't talk, he can't talk to anybody, he can't talk to his wife either. I mean, he doesn't tell his wife that he's lost his job. Obviously, the relationship with his father that we've seen in earlier mm. seasons is a tough one. And he's very demanding, and he struck him, an adult no, child. Was na- I mean, he was nasty. Forget about yeah. demanding. The father was yeah. nasty. I'm fascinated by Don's reaction to this. And this, uh, I'll take care of it. He gets there. He tries to get to him. And I believe, and this is what they wanted you to believe, you know, Lane's going through the stages of grief in one conversation. Right? I mean, he's got grief, anger, just everything he can go through, and then final acceptance. And it was, I agree with both of you, a wonderful scene, and I felt for him. And I just so felt Don doesn't get how hard this is for Lane. He doesn't understand that Don reinvents himself all the time and how much harder it is for a lot of us to try to do that. Yeah, but I think at some point when you're in business or when you're in in a kind of an emotional situation like that, you have to, people shield themselves. It's not that they don't feel for the other person. They have to shield themselves. For example, doctors, when they're always dealing with people dying and death, I mean, if they took each death to heart, they'd never be able to practice. 
So at a certain point, they have to remove themselves emotionally from the situation. I think that's what Don did. Don made a business decision. He said, look, whether or not you want to repay that money, we can't trust you. We're partners and we can't trust you. Mm. We have to let you go. I don't think Don didn't feel for Lane. I'm sure he did. I mean, look at how he reacted when he found out that Lane killed himself. Mm. The camera went right on Don's face. He wasn't smiling. He wasn't looking straight ahead. He was clearly upset. I just think he knew he had to make this decision. It was, it was a business call, and he did it. But I think, Seth, that the point of that, when you see the shock, mm-hmm. is I think Don's second-guessing himself. Mm-hmm. I, I think he had no concept that when he tells Lane, you can figure out a graceful exit. That he would kill that, himself. That he would kill himself. Oh, because, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I agree with you there. And so I think he would have tried to find a different way. If you listen to the conversation, Don is like, well, the worst over. I mean, you've been hiding this. You've had this secret, this burden. And Don is looking at this the way he would look at it, not the way Lane would. And right. And I also agree with you, Seth, that to a certain degree, you have to harden. I have been unfortunate enough to be in management where we have had layoffs. Mm -hmm. And I've told the story multiple times that the first time I had to tell layoffs, I was sick to my stomach. And the last time I had it at my previous company, I woke up at like five in the morning going, oh, yeah, we're laying off people today. I had just totally... I had gotten so not used to it, but I had understood that this was a business decision and, you know, I had to do what was right for the company. So I understand that, but I do think Don cares about Lane. And if Lane could have, this is truly one of those, if, 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 if Lane had talked originally, if Lane had talked a little bit more, maybe there would have been a different outcome or there definitely would have been a different outcome. And I think, too, one of his part of his reaction was this is the second time he has, I don't know if you could say directly or indirectly, but he's affected someone's life to the point where they hung themselves. His half brother right. hung himself Adam. because, yeah, because Don didn't become involved with him. And I'm sure he feels guilt about that. And now Lane, he must feel some sort of responsibility for this. There's been talked on the internet after this show aired there's people were saying you know how much should he have done should he have given lane a chance but i think and we've all said it he he expected lane to take this and move forward what he didn't see or understand was and perhaps it's a british point of view or maybe it was just lane's personally but he couldn't have that kind of failure and go home it was just unacceptable so that was not going to happen and in his mind it was the most compassionate thing for him to do because if he brought it up to the partners it would have been a scandal for the company it would have been a scandal for lane it would have been it just would have been a disaster so right and i also agree that lane had woven such a web of deceit i have read somewhere and i agree seeing that new jaguar that his wife had written a check for because she's like oh you never spend your money on yourself she had no concept of how cash poor they were that their financial situation and to try to sit there and explain to her okay well we've been spending more money than we're making for the past three years i've had to embezzle from the company to pay off a tax lien we can't afford our son to go to the schools you want we're gonna have to go to england 
that is a mountain of issues that we're going to be an awkward is a understatement conversation, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At what point did you realize that Lane was not just going to go back to England and... and <laughs> I, mean, for- I have to admit, I thought he was going to... When the car came into the picture, when the Jaguar came into the picture, I thought he and his wife were going to get in the car. He was pretty drunk at the time. I thought he was going to get into the car and either purposely or as a drunk driver, crash into a telephone pole and kill them both. I thought that's what he was going to do. For some reason, and I don't know why, when he got into the Jaguar to kill himself with the hose, Mm. I just, in the back of my mind, you know, I must admit, I'd heard many times that Jaguars, at least (laughs) back then, were relatively unreliable and spent a lot of time in the... uh, in the service bay, and I thought, I bet it's not going to turn over. And sure enough, it didn't turn over. After that didn't work, I have to say I thought he was in the clear, although when the, you know when Joan said I can't open the door to his office, I knew. But, um, yeah, I kind of felt right off the bat. As I said, I thought the car was the thing that was going to kill him. So I will raise my hand and say that it's my own fault, but I knew it was going to be a problem when I saw an email from someone who shall remain nameless who says, don't leave me hanging. We need to discuss this episode. Oh, my I goodness. Went, what, what a terrible pun. Who, who, who could have <laughs> who done in the world? Like so um, when I read that, I went, oh, this is not going to end well for Lane. Mm-hmm. And, of course, even if you try to stay away from spoilers – even the titles of some web articles and columns, you know, kind of give away. So the moment he was called out, I went, this could not end well. I totally agree with you, Seth. I knew the car wasn't going to start. I mean, there was not a doubt in my mind that that was the kind of irony that was needed in this episode. Yeah. And when he goes into the office, and you also got the clue when he's writing on a piece of paper, you know he's getting his affairs in order. Right. That when he says, well, I've got some work I need to do. So I thought that yeah. was a pretty big clue, too. Very well done, just as upsetting and shocking, even though we kind of suspected it's coming. I have to jump in on that point, Jesse. So many shows would have overdone this. So many shows would have shown you his wife getting a phone call and screaming and crying. But this one doesn't. This one yes. goes away. It's relatively understated. I mean, we did have Joan breaking down a little bit and Pete. It was interesting, the contrast between Pete and Roger and Don. I mean, Roger and Don take the body down off the noose. Pete can't get near it. He's scared. I just thought it was a contrast between yeah. two men who had been in combat and yes. somebody who hasn't. I think that is a very good point. I also think it's interesting not a good office. Now, this is two deaths you've had in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you the way they played this with Don is ecstatic after he's made his bitch. He's let it out there, right? I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but he is ecstatic that, you know, win or lose, I left it on the field. Mm-hmm. And then to see everyone, you better sit down. Yeah. Well, I had an inkling that something bad might be coming, but I think what really the Don's line where he says, think of an elegant exit. That was just blaring to me that he was going to do something. And I have been saying that I thought some character this season was going to have some kind of really big blow up of some kind in a bad way. And I 
wasn't sure who, and I guess we should have seen the signs that it would be Lane. I mean, it's I mean, it's been there all this time. It's been there since the first episode of the season where he's had problems, and it's just been in front of our faces. But they have done a good job and like not made it just so blindingly obvious that you know he'd be the one that would ultimately have this problem. This is a good point for us to mention. We should all give ourselves a pat on the back <laughs> because in our last episode, I actually think if we had kept notes, we've done a good job of predicting things that will happen this season. Mm-hmm. But we talked about death being almost another character, the specter of death. And I think it was you, Brian, that said in The Sopranos, it never was a season finale. It was the one before yeah, that had the right. big action right. or the big death. It certainly looks like it was the, the big one here. We'll have to see what happens this Sunday. But, yeah, I mean, some of the themes, and I, I guess this can go into the next part of the show, <laughs> Lane's suicide totally masked or crowded out, I guess is the best way to put it. Some of the other really important themes that went on, especially some of the things that Don said to Dow Chemical, mm. those really kind of hit home at many of the themes that we've talked about, materialistic happiness and how fleeting it is. I mean, I think Don was driving that home elegantly at Dow Chemical, right? Definitely. I mean, his whole mission on this episode was, I want Chevy. I'm not happy yeah. with 50%. I'm, yeah. I am I want more. I want, I don't, I'm not right. happy. He's no longer satisfied just being a success. He wants to be more successful and he wants to be, he wants to prove that he hasn't lost it. He, he wants to prove right. he's not old. He's not being replaced by younger generation. All that then comes in the face of, well, someone just, kill themselves and i think this next episode i think we're gonna see like you know what happens when a, when someone faces that type of shocking polarity of well all this material thing in his life and then faced with well it could just all go away and how will he deal with that and that'll be interesting in terms of his character and and probably what happens in the next season yeah i agree one thing i would bring up about just laying one more time is i really love the shot right after don tells him that he has to resign he goes in his office and the snow is falling, and he's just looking. He turns his chair around as he's looking out at the skyline and whatnot. And I'm sure it had to have been framed this way on purpose, but like in the left bottom left corner of the frame, there is a little Statue of Liberty trinket of some kind that I guess was some souvenir or something that you know, he had in his office. You know, he had a lot of things in his office, like that Mets banner and things like that. But, yes. but I just thought that was interesting to have the Statue of Liberty there and that shot of him just totally despondent and basically losing hope as it bleeds out of him. And it reminds me of a shot from The Godfather where they, uh, oh yeah, someone comes to uh, part on a beach and guy gets out and he gets shot and killed. And in the background, you see the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, wh- what is success? And then what happens, you know, what do you want to do in America? What does it mean? And I just thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah, I agree with you. It was a great visual before we get to some of the major stories, I loved Kenny, Ken Cosgrove's scene with Roger. Okay, I can't do my family, but if you force me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of their negotiation was really well done. I did think it was interesting that his major criteria was that Pete not be involved. They're obviously setting up that Pete is still has a lot of people that do not like him and do not want to do business with him, even within his own company, or actually within his own company, because other people seem to like him because he does get business. I took it as he was just ambitious. If we're going to get this account, and it's going to be this major of an account, 
I want to run it and not for Pete. You know, this is his kind of way of claiming his territory. At least that's how I get it. Mm. Yeah, well, we've seen that a lot this season. I mean, Joan getting her piece of the pie, negotiating her piece of the pie, even Harry Crane negotiating his new office (laughs) with Roger. Peggy also negotiating a fee for working on the weekend with Roger. So everybody seems to be, you know, negotiating for a piece of their happiness. Yeah. And one more thing about the Jaguar failing to start. I thought that was brilliant. I think on another show that would have been his exit on its own. That would have been kind of clever, I think. Mm -hmm. Just the irony of it all. Yep. And in my mind, I somehow think that the, the two writers of this episode, maybe they started with that and like someone had an idea that said, you know what, it would be cool if it just didn't work. <laughs> and they just, yeah. and, but I don't know, I'm just saying, but I just think that was just a brilliant turn. And I was thinking as he was sitting there, I'm like, Jesse, you thought it was inevitable that it was not going to start. When, when he got in, I was thinking of like, if it does turn out this way, it's a disaster for the agency because... For yeah. a, a guy to Good die point. in the product, the product that, you, yeah. that you're selling, yeah, that I, you're think, so, yeah. I was thinking this is going right. to be a disaster. It's going to be – right. it, it could be just horrible. As it is, it's like, well, the guy killed himself in their offices, and that's bad. But I think if he had killed himself in the car that they – account they had just landed, I think that would have been just crazy. But All right, so let's move on to Sally. What did you think of that storyline? I thought it was good to get Glenn and Sally back in. They're two terrific characters. I'm not sure where they wanted to go with all this. It just seemed like that visit to the museum was, was it two strange characters in a kind of a strange setting? I don't know. I'm not sure what they wanted to get out of all that. I do understand, though, it shows how Megan seems to be very unsure of herself around Sally whereas she is so darn good with Sally's father. I mean, she's so mature in that relationship. She's so smart. She knows she has priorities. I mean, Don wants to work, and she says, no, you're going to have dinner with your daughter now, and then after that you'll work. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's so reasonable. She's so, so good. But Sally seems to be able to wrap her around her finger. So I kind of took this as... She has had a long, ongoing relationship with Glenn, but she has not seen Glenn. Right. And, you know, she was surprised. Oh, you have a mustache. Oh. So I think in that both of them did not have romance in their mind. I mean, I thought that was really good how they covered that, that this was about just seeing each other and friendship. and Birds of a feather, I guess, from divorced families also. Yes, I think so. And I I have been very critical about Betty this season, but I really liked this episode. I have been there with a horrible teenager. I have been there where you are just cannot stand (laughs) to be in the room with them. So Sally was being a brat. But I love that Sally went to her mom when this happened, and her mom was... Wonderful. Of course, I'm a guy, and I don't have a daughter. So that may have been the biggest cliche in the world. But from my perspective, I thought she handled it wonderfully sweet. And it was just a really nice Betty moment. Yeah, It was a a good Betty moment. Of course, following on the heels of a typical Betty moment where 
when she calls up Megan and she says, I guess she just needed her mother. And I mean, yes. that was so Betty yeah. to say. And of course it was yeah. so Megan to say, oh, well, of course it was. Like, it, she just lets it roll off her back. She took no offense. Well, of course she would want it. <laughs> yeah. In this episode, again, Megan, she's just too good among all the other, these other people. I mean, she, she comes home and finds a strange guy in her house, and she offers to drive him home. <laughs> and mm. Betty calls her up and said, well, she just wanted to be with her mother. And it's a veiled insult to her, but she's just like, oh, well, of course, sure. Megan, is, she's just a, a rare bird. Because she is not going to be – I mean, she will be Sally's friend and stepmother, but she will never have that role of being her mom. And I think Megan's okay with that. I've watched – the inside Mad Men, the Bravo show, mm-hmm. the actor's studio, and they showed the scene where Sally is being a brat and running down the hall, falls, and it's Megan that helps her up. I had forgotten right. that, yep. which brought back to the point where they made earlier this year, I was your friend first. I agree. Megan is really just kind of comes off really well, and Don truly is blessed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Besides the fact that she's drop-dead gorgeous, she also happens to be a really level-headed person, it seems. And we've known that since the spilled milkshake, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, what did someone say that I wanted to marry her right then and there? <laughs> you know, so, uh, so yeah, very nice. One other thing with Sally and Betty, it was a great moment for Betty, I totally agree. I guess they're trying to show that she can be a good mother when she puts her mind to it, but when she doesn't, she's awfully difficult and, and an ice princess and not a good parent but she has the ability i think that's what they were showing sometimes i wonder if a character like glenn comes on a side character just to deliver a certain line i've said in the past that sometimes side characters are the ones that are almost like a greek chorus or something that talk to yeah. the main characters and give them instruction and say profound things that the characters then have to absorb. We saw that with the girl from the driving ed class that you know, was talking about her life going mm. fast and things like that. And personally, I feel like they do that a lot on this show, and I think it's a good device that you know someone comes in with a fresh perspective and they can say these things. And I think Glenn, I mean, his very last thing that he says when he's in the elevator with Dawn is kind of profound and you know it makes it all ties the episode together and his line was everything you want to Mm. do everything you think's gonna make you happy turns to crap turns to crap yeah you know don's sitting there like you know what what do you want to do and they go for a drive (laughs) and he lets them drive and he lets them drive the car yeah which is what gene used to let sally do remember oh that's true yeah her grandfather somebody commented a friend of mine commented on having glenn at home in that apartment with Megan and whether Glenn would come on to her as he, he didn't come on to Betty, but he, you know, remember he did ask for her hair. If you recall, right. he, he did walk in on her when she was in the bathroom and I, you know, obviously on purpose, I was a little uneasy to have Glenn who's, you know, a strange character in the Draper apartment with Megan all afternoon, but I guess he behaved himself. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I guess so. But were you guys concerned about that? I was a little worried about Glenn, period, yeah. coming to visit. What was his motives and what was yeah. going on? I also like, not only did Betty say, you needed her mother, but, yeah, we found her. <laughs> like, you guys lost my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do we feel? We have one episode to go. Mm-hmm. 
the previews tell you really nothing substantial. It's right. always people yeah. coming in a door and closing the door. And <laughs> yes, will Elizabeth Moss, Peggy Olsen, be in the next in the last episode? Do you think she was completely out of this one? Huh? She was not even mentioned. Was she in the credits? I didn't notice if she was yeah, in the credits. Yeah, she was. Okay. She was in the credits. Like I said before, I don't see her exiting the show. I, it's just a matter of how will she be back if, if mm. she's back. It is funny because that is how it works when someone leaves. Is you know Life goes on. You don't talk about the other person being gone. It's just, hey, you know they're not here anymore. I hope we see her at the next episode. This kind of wraps things up with the storyline you know on another really small note that i love the partners meeting and how jones replacement i don't know the character's Mm. name you know just not quite doing it the way joan did she didn't get danish she wasn't asking the right thing she wasn't moving it around the way they wanted i thought that was pretty funny well it does show too that joan is really integrated into the company even more than just the eye candy that some people think she is Right. She's she's very attuned to what's going on and the way business works. I think what happens next is the repercussions to the agency itself. There's two things. There's the characters' reactions and then the agency itself. How is it going to survive? Is this a mortal blow? Is this going to be something more than just, oh, one of the partners killed himself? Or is there going to be something that's going to really just cause damage to the agency? And, and then that would be a trickle-down effect to everyone because they all that's their livelihoods. I've got a question for both of you. Will Lane's name stay on the masthead, or will it be removed? I was wondering that, because that means they have to change their name yet again. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Good question. Business practice in law firms is, if a partner dies, the, their name most of the time stays on the, as the name of the firm, but uh, not always. Hmm. And are they going to try to, not cover it up is the wrong word, but are they going to try to do a spin or are they as you guys talk is this going to be a lot of repercussions mm-hmm. would they have gotten some of dow's business if this hadn't happened where do we leave them i would think they would change the name i think that having price in there is a reminder and my question to you is are they going to put jones last name in it hmm. that would be interesting yes what about pete's name no yes uh, He's been asking for that for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, he has. He asked for that at the beginning. Yeah. And he didn't get it. But just one observation, I as you know, am looking for every episode signs that they are still including fragments of Don's past into all these episodes. We've gone from Beth commenting about hobos to Don being at a house of prostitution, and these are things about his childhood, Don being at a car dealership for his first post-war job. Then we had Ginsburg asking permission to speak freely. That was an army reference going back to Don's army days. In this episode, I think the act of Don moving the body was significant mm-hmm. because that yep. harkened back to him moving and like manipulating the crime scene, because they call it a crime scene. Mm-hmm. The crime, basically, of him taking the original Don Draper's dog tags. And I think that, too, was a intentional callback to... Again, something in Don's past. Yeah, well, I mean, you could also look at the whole Lane thing as a commentary on Don. I mean, if there's any poster child for keeping secrets and not telling the truth, i.e. Don Draper, Dick Whitman, it's him. I right. mean, here's a, a, an example of the pot calling the kettle black. Right. I mean, Don 
saying to Lane, we can't trust you, but in fact, can they really trust Don? I mean, Don's not really Don. He's Dick right. Whitman. Well, there's, so, no, there's no sort of, of irony of, of yeah, Don. Very ironic. The name Don Draper being forged by, you know, Don does it all the time because that's not his name. But, right. But I, I have to say one thing, though. I thought the way that Don handled Cooper sort of busting into his office and waving around that check and saying, what is this? What is this? Don handled it so coolly. He didn't say, oh, that's not mine. I didn't put my name on there. That's not me. He said, I'll handle it. How many people would have the wherewithal, the the cool to see that there was something wrong here, but he didn't want to air it in front of Cooper? He, he didn't even react. I mean, he just said, I'll take care of it. Most people's first reaction would be, let me see that. I'm, I, I didn't do this. Mm. I think that's, that's showing the difference between him hearing really incriminating news about someone else and him getting incriminating news or a potential bad news about him. Like if you remember when the defense company wanted his background information oh, yeah. and he just he flipped, on he that. flipped yeah. out. And, yeah, he uh, yelled at Meg, actually. And, at yeah, Meg, right? he was, and he started having cold sweats and... Yeah, it's all perspective, and I think again that's why he, from his perspective, he was able to address it calmly, and obviously thought that he could project that onto Lane, but could not. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, and if we go back to our original discussion, the whole discussion with Lane is a callback to Don's past. Don has reinvented himself multiple times. He was tempted to do it in California when he had uh, gone off on his trip. So he is used to changing his persona, gosh, changing his name. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really callback to, I think that's about his previous life, just as much as, you know, moving the body as such. I mean, I do think that Don has seen combat. He's seen the worst. He was not going to let someone that he respected, and he even thinks as a friend, stay in that state. Right. Okay, any final comments then? I'm just concerned, a little bit concerned that while this was a great episode, Lane's death is going to overshadow everything else in it. It's going to overshadow little Sally's interlude with Glenn. It's going to overshadow what Don said at Dow Chemical, which we talked about here today, but very little. I thought it was really revealing what he said. Mm. So I'm just concerned that this is always going to be known as the Lane. It inevitably is going to be known as the Lane hanging himself episode and everything else is going to be, you know, sort of second banana. And that's yeah. too bad. Yeah. I actually think Lane's death is going to overshadow the whole season. Yeah, maybe. I, I think this is not just this episode, but I think it's the season itself. Yeah. And we'll have to see how this last episode plays out and see where they're planning to take us. Yeah. If anything, I think this at least has gotten Don to a point where he is making strides to do something. I've said, I think at midpoint of the season where he was an observer and he was very passive and things were happening around him and to him, he's kind of getting his stride back. But the question is, in which direction is he going? Is he going to continue to go for working, 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 be more successful? Or in the aftermath of this tragedy, is he going to refocus and find something else? And uh, that's I guess what we'll find out in the final episode, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah, All right. absolutely. So, again, you can find us on the web at madcast.net and also iTunes and Facebook if you look up Scotch and Smokes. Thanks again for subscribing. The bar is open. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Lane.
Bye, all. Thanks.